Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Yeah, just just loving what Holy Spirit is doing among us, creating space in our hearts and in our gatherings that we too should create room for Holy Spirit. That we're not here for a meeting, we're not here for an agenda, we're not here for a program. Certainly we're not here for performance. I mean we've long since trying tried to do that. You know, stop trying to do that. Yeah, it just like no ways. Um And so we're saying, Holy Spirit, would you lead us, would you guide us, would you have your way in our lives individually and then when we gather corporately, that we we don't just kind of come and do repetitive stuff week after week, that then becomes powerless and lifeless. We, We want to know, to experience your power, your nearness. And if we say, Jesus, take the wheel, then at times he's going to. It's kind of like, Oh, I thought we only supposed to have worship for this amount of time. It's kind of like, no, no, we have some, you know, vague outlines and guidelines. You know, we, 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 we've been around the church world long enough to know that there's certain things that the body of Christ needs to incorporate in its times of gathering. But we don't, you know, restrict ourselves to, okay, we've got to do this, then we've got to do that, and it must be this long, and then, oh, he's gone on a bit long this morning, you know. No, we don't, we don't worship time. We use time to worship him. And uh, having said that, though, <laughs> this morning, Eskim is um, calling us out on this one, so we'll be done by 12. Okay. Um, for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the difference between Old Testament models of the prophetic and New Covenant, New Testament understanding and approach to prophetic ministry. And we recognize that the way in which prophetic ministry happened under the old covenant was essentially very different from the way in which we are called to move in and to experience prophetic ministry. Now when we're talking about prophetic, let's just take it right down to a really elementary understanding of what it is we're talking about. Essentially, at, at the heart of it, is hearing God and then communicating to others. That's what prophetic is, yeah? And when we talk about you know, hearing God, we recognize that God speaks and, or communicates with us in a variety of different ways. And some of those ways are verbal, and a large portion of that is actually not in an audible voice. Even in my communication with you, 
language experts say approximately 87% of the communication is nonverbal. So you're looking at my hand gestures, you're looking at my posture, you're listening to my tone of voice, the inflections, all these kinds of things. And that is communicating plenty beyond just the words. That's why when you get a text from somebody, you're not sure, are they joking? Are they being, you know, mean? Is this sarcasm? You know, apparently Americans don't have that in their vocabulary. Sarcasm they just don't get. <laughs> I was being sarcastic, man. Come on, guys. Okay. So, um, when we talk and, uh, about God communicating with us, too many people mistakenly think that the only way God's going to speak is when he's speaking audibly. John, this is the Lord speaking. Yeah, and if I'm only waiting for that kind of experience, I'm very seldom going to think I'm hearing his voice. Or seldom that, that he's actually speaking to me. Whereas in actual fact, he's communicating, he's speaking all the time. Look, you know this. Lisa can be on the other side of the room and she can communicate to me without using words and I know exactly what she's saying. All right? So God can communicate to us without those audible words. And so part of the thing in, in the worship time today was like, hey, Lord, help me discern, help me receive your communication to me that you're here, you're with me, your presence is here. I'm experiencing your love, your grace, your mercy. All these things that so God can communicate in a variety of different ways. Later in the series, we'll, we'll get to it. Maybe before Christmas, but there are no guarantees. Okay. So, when we restrict our understanding of the prophetic to Old Testament approaches, we're limiting the way in which God is moving among us in a New Covenant, New Testament understanding. A number of, of differences, and, and this trying to be a quick in the recap here, but an old wineskin cannot contain new wine. And the Old Testament prophets, John the baptizer, was the last of the Old Testament prophets. You know, and, and these guys were outside, if you like, of the, the body. They were like a voice crying in the wilderness. They withdrew from society, many of them, and they were in schools of the prophets. But in New Covenant, New Testament thinking, we see that the prophetic is actually embedded in the local church. So a, a parachurch or an itinerant thing that's not anchored into local church is an old wineskin. Look, it's great that there are these things that come alongside, but we recognize that the biblical pattern, New Testament pattern, is in, with, and through local church. Okay? We also recognize that... Um, much of the old covenant words pointed to a 
calling the nation back to repentance. And they would take up the big shambok. And if, if you don't, then God will. All right? But in the new covenant, we understand that as the people of God, we're not under his wrath. Let me clarify this. When Jesus came, he took upon himself on the cross the judgment and the wrath that was coming against those who rebelled. And for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is now therefore no condemnation. So the judgment that should have been on us has been laid on Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. The judgment that should have been on us for our sin and our wickedness is being taken by Jesus. Hallelujah. Fantastic. Don't make the mistake that many who tipped over into the hypergrace thing, oh, well, then there's no more wrath because all the wrath of God was poured out on the cross. Now, the wrath that was against us on the cross. But if you are not in the cross, if you rebel and you reject what God has done for us in and through Jesus, there is a coming wrath. Just read the end of the book. All right? So for us who believe, no, that judgment is like free pass. The judgment we will face is rewards. Okay? But for those who rebel and reject and refuse the cross, there is a coming wrath. Are we clear on this? Now, in prophetic ministry, if you embrace an old covenant mindset that God is coming and he's coming to sort you out and he's coming to sort out your sin, you're living on the wrong side of the cross because in Jesus, he's already taken care of our sin. Can you see there's a massive difference? And if we come with an attitude that God is still angry with us, we're actually reducing the power of the cross. Jesus came to express the love of God to us. And Jesus came as the prophet of all prophets. And his way of engaging with people should be a massive clue for us as to how we as New Testament believers should be living our lives and should be communicating to others what's on God's heart. For example, the, the woman caught in adultery. Why they didn't catch the blighter who was with her, we don't know. That's weird, right? They just caught her. It takes two for adultery. Okay, anyway. We have some, we have some questions. One day we'll get answered, yes? Okay, this will be one of them. Nevertheless. 
the religious mindset was stoner. Jesus points out their hypocrisy. We don't know exactly what he was writing in the sand. Maybe he was just calling out their shortcomings. Because one by one, they kind of like, hmm. I won't be one of those who throwing a stone today. And after that all disappeared, he says to her, we are your accusers. She says, they're gone. She says, then I don't accuse you either. But go and sin no more. He wasn't condoning the sin. But his heart is expressed in there. I'm not accusing you. This is the heart of, of God. Love covers a multitude of sins. God is love. And so he's communicating the Father's heart into this world. If we are going to follow Jesus' example of communicating what's on Father's heart, we're communicating love, not judgment massive difference between an old covenant mindset of the prophetic and a New Testament, New Covenant understanding of communicating God's heart. So when people come, oh, this great prophet and he called out the people's sin and all the rest, it's going to, whoa, whoa, whoa. Doesn't matter if you can get phone numbers, ID numbers, your address, I'm not interested. What's the heart? Okay, weigh, judge, and test, which we will get into at another time as well in this series. Like, how do we actually weigh and judge? How do we know this is God speaking? Yeah? Man, this is such an exciting thing. God speaking to us, his people. I will pour out my spirit, this is Acts chapter 2, on all flesh, all people. And you'll be able to prophesy. And you'll be able to dream dreams and have visions. And, and, and you'll be able to understand what God's heart is for what's going on in the world. And you communicate that love and His intention to others around you. Like they think God is angry with them. They actually think God's trying to keep them out of heaven. Yeah, one day, one day I'll write a book. And, and um, I've been threatening to write this for a long time. He wants us in. It's like a lot of Christians think that God's doing everything he can to keep people out of heaven. It's like, did he go to the cross for just a tiny little bunch of people? For God so loved a fraction of the world that he sent his only son. It's like, wow. We need to shift and change some of our thinking and understanding. There's going to be a multitude before the throne. You know, people got a bit fixated on this 144,000 number and trying to get literal with all of these interpretations. Like, like, I want to see a key 
then he's going to lock a, the, the devil. Going to lock him and put him in the abyss for a thousand. That's going to be some key. If you're expecting a literal key, come on. All right. A clue. The 144,000 must be a figurative number. All right. Don't worry. There's another eschatology course. You can come and do it. We'll, we'll get you helped out on that. So, why do we need prophetic ministry today? Well, for encouragement, to give us hope. We hear God's heart on things. We get his perspective on what's going on in the world. And mostly, we're getting the affirmation that we are his and he is ours. That he is our father. Yeah? Because when we know whose we are and we know who we are, we can face anything. Yeah? So, we know, and we, we touched on this last time, and somebody needs to stop that clock in a hurry. <laughs> Jesus, he spoke to the disciples that had this amazing free meal. Everybody was there, and he says to the guys, listen, a bit of R&R, &R, get in the boat, go for a little bit, sunset cruise, and I'll meet you on the other side. And he gives them this word, and he says, I will meet you on the other side. And then immediately, they get into the storm. And a storm is stopping their progress. These guys are experienced, some of them, experienced with rowing, being on the water, being in the boat. But they're getting nowhere. And fear and panic begins to supersede the word that God had given to them. If only they had held on to the word. He said, I will see you and meet you on the other side. It's like, Jesus, where are you? You're nowhere. Huh? Panic. But he had promised, I'll catch you there, boys. Often when there's a prophetic word, the exact opposite of that word begins to unfold in our lives. Yeah? The Lord says, I'm going to bless you. And next thing you hit with crazy financial hardships. Yeah, and everything is going wrong and you know your job's under threat and the contracts that you've been working on for ages is just not happening and it's like a big storm and the exact opposite of what the word was I'm going to bless you it's kind of like pear-shaped this is not good this is an economic storm so is the word wrong? no, the word is not wrong we're going through a test come on boys Come on, you said that you trust me. Great. I trust you with everything. Great. Let's just check how it's going with your trust in your pension scheme. So I'll tell you what, we'll just rattle the markets a little bit. And let's see if you still can say, I trust you, Lord, with my future. Because he just wants to prove our hearts to ourselves that we can grow to another level of faith so he, so he says hey 
I will see you on the other side. You're going to be okay. Okay, Monday. <sighs> Takes a pounding. Well, if you're in the UK, certainly the pound got a pounding. It's like, oh my goodness, was the word wrong? You know, is it like, like it wasn't his intention? Everything is like the opposite of what he said. Now, the word is to act like a point of tension to pull us through the storm until we do get to the other side. And we say, Lord, your word was true. You're faithful to your word. Yeah? Very often, when we're on this side of the storm, we think, wow, it's all going to be, you know, a bed of roses. Not remembering that roses have actually got thorns. I've got a massive scar on my leg here. I discovered that as a 10-year-old boy. We were having a clod fight with my neighbors, and we were using rose bushes for cover. And I launched myself out from behind the rose bush to let it go and big, big scar. Okay, so roses have got thorns, I discovered. Okay, and prophesy, it's going to be a life of roses. And then you grab for the roses and kind of like, oh my goodness, I'm bleeding. The thorns got me. I thought you said it was going to be roses. He says, yeah, with some thorns. And so this understanding that the, the word that we get, we might perceive it in a particular way. When we come through the other side, we're going to look, say, wow, actually, this lines up with what you said. I had interpreted that word in a different way. But now that I'm on this side, I can see this matches. Okay. God, you're good. Does it make sense? Why am I taking time to go through these elementary things? Because sometimes when we bump into the storm, we're thinking God's, God's not with me. The word wasn't true. We, we're, we're, we're losing the power to get pulled through the storm. And we kind of like, ah, the storm has hit. Okay, maybe I do a U-turn and try and go back. Where in actual fact, he's wanting us to go through that we come, we actually do land on the other side. Because his intention is for us to get to the other side. Not to do a U-turn and go back. Because guess what? His intention is for us to get to the other side. If we do a U-turn, come on. What's going to happen? You're just going to get another opportunity to face the opportunity to go through. Mm hmm. Okay. One of the other things that we need to recognize when we are asking the Lord to speak 
And when we're listening to things that are coming, and my goodness, social media is pumping out this stuff. And there's so much right now in the world about, I mean, it's the end of the world, right? Yeah, the, the, this angel doing this plague and what bowl is being released now and what trumpet is being blown and it's hard to keep up with everything, right? Okay, just remember that the Bible describes things in, in very particular ways and terms. There are three heavenly realms. The first realm, the first heaven, is the blue sky, the heavens above. So there's a natural heaven, okay, on the earth and the heaven. Got it? Easy. The second realm of heaven is where the, the demonic realm and the angels are battling there in that second heaven realm. Remember Daniel's 21 days of prayer and fasting. And um, Gabriel comes and says, listen, I, I was wrestling against the prince of and uh, the Prince of Persia was, was giving us hard time. Michael came and we've overcome. Michael's carrying on. I'm just here to tell you the answer's on its way. Where was that battle taking place? It was in the second heaven. All right. And we know that, the, that Lucifer was cast out of heaven. Out of the third heaven. The highest heaven. Remember Paul said, I was caught up in the spirit into the third heaven. So that's the heaven, that's the realm where God is. And Lucifer was booted out of the third heaven. Yeah? So Lucifer has not got better access to God than what you have. Too many people give the enemy too much power. Wondering about what accusation he's busy doing here, there, whatever. trying to defend too many people. The enemy, the thief, comes to steal, kill, destroy. His intention is to ruin everything that God has created. We're made in his image and he's trying to mar and scar the ones that God loves. And so the enemy has an agenda and when people Listen in on the devil's agenda. Oh, there's going to be famine. There's going to be wars. There's going to be drought. There's going to be all this kind of stuff. And they begin to prophesy the enemy's agenda. And a lot of Christians kind of like tune into that, kind of like, oh, this must be what God wants. Nope. No, no, no. He sits in the highest heavens and he laughs at his enemies. He scoffs at the plans of the evil one. And he's revealed to us his purpose and his intention. And he says he's coming back for a victorious bride, a victorious church. And he said that his kingdom would be an everlasting kingdom. And he asked us, told us in fact, pray that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning that God intends for that prayer to be answered. So if we're not yet seeing the kingdom on earth, we're not yet seeing the fulfillment of what he said, which means we've got a long way until the very end of the end. He's not coming back for a mess and going to call it a victory. God doesn't lie. 
He doesn't put a little bit of paint over the crack and say, is the rech. It's restored. No, 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 no. He does proper restoration work. Doesn't put a bit of wallpaper over it and then kind of, okay, it's all good, guys. When he comes in victory, he's coming in absolute victory. And he's coming for a bride that is strong, fully mature, perfect, without spot, wrinkle, blemish. So when the prophetic words come from the second heaven, they're actually tapping in and amplifying what the enemy wants to do. And without amount of discernment and understanding proper theology, we could unfortunately partner with the spirit of fear and cause us to do some really silly things. Whereas we're actually called to partner with the Prince of Peace and to speak peace to the storm, that we might go through the storm. See, immediately when the disciples had Jesus come into the boat, calm. And Yeah? Immediately Jesus gets in the boat, it's calm. And immediately they're on the other side. There were two immediates that took place there. I mean, miracle upon miracle. After walking on water, it's also miraculous. Yeah? And the storm, all of a sudden, immediately, it's gone. And then they're on the other side. They've been rowing all night, getting nowhere. Then all of a sudden, they're there on the side. It's like, what happened? Like Philip's transport. This is amazing. Go and read the Bible. It's a really good book. Okay. The Prince of Peace, he comes into these storms and he causes us to get to the other side. Yes, we face the storm, but he's with us and then he brings about shift and change. Okay. So let's not tune into the second heaven or give those who are tuning into the second heaven even if they do proclaim themselves to be a great prophet, it's like, test, what is it that you're actually amplifying? Let's not put a megaphone in front of the enemy. Any word that leaves you feeling in a place of fear, anxiety, and doubt, that's not a word from the Lord. You test it by the Spirit. Check the fruit. Oh, we're going to die. No, it's not what he said. I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And he hasn't changed his agenda. Okay. I've got four minutes. Jesus, help me. Okay. Because you need scripture, right? You want scripture. I know you guys want a bit of scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31 is a good one. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Yeah? So, eagerly desire. You'll see again at chapter 14 and verse 1, it says again, eagerly desire. So we need to be eager, eager beavers. Jesus wants us to be eager. Eager about what? Eager about the gifts. All right? 
And in this thing, then he says, listen, in chapter 14 and verse 1, follow the way of love. And at the end of chapter 12, he says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. What is that? I'm glad you asked. Chapter 11 precedes chapter 12, which precedes chapter 13, which then follows into chapter 14. It's profound. Absolutely profound. You see, chapter 11 speaks about the body and coming together and discerning the body and the blood of Jesus. It's in the context of the Lord's Supper, and yes, judge, weigh the elements, but judge and weigh the body. Discern the body. And then he goes on in chapter 12, and he says, now listen, but I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual things. Because they were ignorant. They thought they were very, you know, up there with all these things, but they were ignorant about a whole bunch of things. And then he goes on from verse 12 of chapter 12, uh, speaking about the body and some's the eye and someone's the ear and the nose and who's smelling and who's doing what. And we all got our place and we all got our part and all this kind of stuff. And it's all in the context of the body. He says these gifts are given for the common good. These gifts are not given to puff you up that you can say, well, you know, my ministry... It's kind of like, gosh, if you really want to make me ill, just come and talk to me about my ministry. It's like, no, no, it's for the body, it's for the common good. It's not to puff you up as some kind of individual who's a superhero. Every single one of us in the body of Christ are called to be superheroes. Every single one of us. We're all called to live supernatural lives. I thought I'd get a bigger amen out of that than I got. Okay. We are called not to just live natural lives, but to be living supernatural lives. Being led by the Spirit. The Spirit is in you. Amen? Okay. So, then he goes on. And then he goes very quickly, he says, by the way, all these gifts, they're flowing, they're in the body, and follow the way of love. And then he goes on chapter 13, and it's the whole chapter on love. And it's not the wedding passage. The whole thing there is, love is this, and love is that, and love, 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 love. And the whole thing is, don't do all these supernatural things, and you don't have love. It's not talking about getting married. It's talking about operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And if you're going to prophesy, you're prophesying out of love, not out of fear, not out of anxiety, not out of showmanship, not out of anything else except the heart, the motivation of love. Because God is love and we're revealing God to humanity. So we're moving, operating, and through love. Amen. Would you stand? Thank you, Jesus, that you are causing us to live a life of love, to reflect your heart. And as we communicate what you are communicating to us, to people around about us, we're communicating your heart of love. So, Lord, we ask that you would remove from us the pointing finger, bringing judgment and condemnation on people, and that we might open up our hearts to your love and then open up that to people around about us. And may prophetic ministry Carry the hallmark of your love. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.